The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information or other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen, amen. You may be seated. In Mark chapter 16, I'm going to dive right in today. It says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Jesus is talking here. And he, and he says, these signs, these are the things that are going to show up in your life that are going to follow after those that believe. Now, Jesus begins to list some things, but I believe he's not trying to create an exhaustive list that when these things are happening, those are the only signs. But he's giving us a, 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 some parameters, if you will, or a, a, a way of understanding that, that when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, when we surrender our hearts and lives to him, when we start believing in his goodness, because you can be a believer without believing in his goodness. I know lots of Christians that man think God's mad at them all the time, that God's disappointed with them all the time, that God is this God that is, is withholding from them because of things that they've said. So we, as, even as believers, can be unbelieving. But when we are believing, believing, and it's a, just so you know, you get to set your belief. You, you can believe whatever you want to believe. You just, don't, you just don't get to live with the consequences of, or get to choose the consequences of whatever it is you choose to believe. So these signs will follow them that believe it. And last week I shared how, how important it is for us to focus on becoming more aware of those signs. That we, we need to recognize them. Now, what I don't want us to do is to start focusing completely on those things. You, you, do you have an area in your life that you wish you were walking in victory over? Can I see your hand today? Good. Mostly honest people here today. Okay, we've all got these areas, just so you know, of these things that we're trying to work on in our lives that, that we, we're, if we're not careful, we can focus on that all the time saying, I don't want to say that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to think that. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't And when we do that, we keep doing it. We keep thinking it. We keep living it rather than understanding what we're supposed to focus on is Christ, who God is and who we are in Christ. So in other words, if I'm being impatient, I don't want to focus on the fact that I'm impatient. I want to look at who I am in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, the fruit of the spirit of patience is actually inside of me. Therefore, I want to recognize I actually am patient. I can be patient. I may not be patient right now, but I can be patient. So we want to focus on those things. We have to realize that things happen for a reason, so we need to affect the reason why things happen. Listen, if if you've been fighting with your wife for 25 years, that's how long I've been married. If you've been fighting with your wife for that long, maybe it's time to just focus on the reason you keep fighting with your wife. Now what we think is, oh yeah, I know exactly what it is. If she would change, God would really just bless my marriage. Amen? When in reality, you can't ever change anyone. Listen, God loves us so much, he's given us a free will, he won't even make you change. He'll lead you towards changing, he'll help you understand the way to change, but he can't. But listen, when I change me, I change the the, the dynamics of the equation, I change everything about it. So when I focus on me in the relationship, it begins to change everything. So again, we need to affect the reason why things are happening. So there's some adjustments that are needed from time to time to adjust negative behavior in order to walk in all that God has for us. We're simply getting our lives in alignment with his word. We're following the stream of his word. And when we do that, man, we're just making adjustments as we go. We're not walking against the stream saying, Pastor Richie, you promised blessing in my marriage, but if, I, if you would just change her, things would be so much better. We get in the flow of what it is that God's doing. 
So we've got to adjust these negative things, but our eyes are on Christ. Our eyes are who we are in Christ, but in our peripheral vision or a quick glance, we're noticing things in our life, so we make adjustments, right? Does this make sense today? All right, but what I want to talk to you about today is that we also need to recognize some of the positive signs that are going on in our life. I touched on it just a second ago because there are a lot of things that are going on in our life that are incredibly good in the midst of a few things or one thing going wrong in our life. But we are prone to focus on the problem, the one thing, rather than recognizing all the good things that are going on in our lives. Here's what Jesus said in John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some of your translations say more abundantly. It's too easy for you and I to get preoccupied with the problems of life and miss life. Life is too short not to enjoy it. So I want to talk to you this morning about loving your life. Now, I said life, not wife. It's obviously important to love your wife. But amen, men? Amen. Amen. Right? I want to talk to you about loving your life and loving yourself. See, I know, I, I know that most of you have noticed this, but God really is all about love. If you've been here long enough, you know that we don't think that God just loves, it's who he is. That God is love. That God is all about love. And it is the message of the Bible. So much so that when Jesus was asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? What do, what do I have to do to make this thing called heaven? Here's how Jesus replied in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, and I think when we see scriptures like John 10.10 and Matthew 22, it helps us recognize that God really does want you and I to love our lives. Again, he came that we might have life and life more abundantly. But he also wants us to love ourselves because we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. See, after all, why would Jesus tell us that he's come that we might have life to the full or abundantly if he didn't want us to have a good life? You think God's just jacking with us all the time? You want a good life? Oh, you want a good life? Oh, you want a good life? Oh, no, a little harder. See, that's the way I used to believe, that God's holding his promises over me. And some of you are going, oh, man, this is so true. God's holding his promises over me, so I'm going, oh, there it is, right there. I can touch that. I got a two-inch vertical. I can get that, right? <laughs> and you rear it up to jump, and you jump, and just as you're jumping, God goes, whoa, oh, man, you were so close. You ever done that to your little brother? <laughs> me neither. All right. So why would he tell us to love our neighbor as ourself if he really didn't want us to love ourselves? See, I think sometimes that is the problem. We are loving our neighbor as ourself. We're having a hard time loving others because we're really not loving ourselves. See, I think all of us struggle with this from time to time, loving ourselves. There's not a person here today, again, that doesn't struggle with this or loving other people. Or loving things in our lives. In fact, I could say with a reasonable amount of certainty today that there are probably some of you here this morning that you don't like yourself right now. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? When you look in the mirror, do you immediately go to the pimple on your face? Or the love handle? Or do you look at yourself and go, whoa, man, you are looking so good today. You're struggling with loving yourself. Or maybe you don't like your job. Or that teenager. 
or where you live or who you're married to or maybe you don't like your neighbors or your neighborhood or your car and there are a lot of things in our lives that we can end up not liking about ourselves. But listen, you're going to have to come to terms of peace with yourself. You really are. And, and some of these things in, in, in your life, because you're really all that you've got. There's no reincarnation in life. You don't get to come back as someone or something else. And no matter how hard you try, you're never going to be able to get away from yourself. Because everywhere you go, there you are. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, it's pretty unpleasant to spend just a few hours with someone that I don't like being with. All right? Can I be honest with you today on that? All right. And the thought of spending the rest of my life with someone that I don't like being with that I can never get away from is incredibly depressing. It's miserable. I mean, you wake up with you. You shower with you. You eat with you. You get dressed with you. You work with you. You play with you. You sleep with you. And as you get a little bit older, you're going to spend a whole lot of time getting up in the middle of the night going to the bathroom with you. Because let me say it again. Everywhere you go, there you are. Right? You're really going to have to learn how to love yourself. Because somehow or another, religion is given people this idea that they have to be disappointed in themselves all the time. That no matter what you're doing, if you, you're growing now in Christ, you're doing better than you've ever done before. Yeah, one more notch. Man, you're, you're a five now, boy, but if you were a six. You, you prayed today, but boy, if you just prayed 15 minutes. You read the Bible today, but boy, if you just read three chapters. It, there's this thing that's constantly coming at us to be disappointed with ourselves. Like we don't measure up. No matter, just so you know it's the accusation of the enemy because just so you know God's not ever disappointed with you because nothing ever surprises God. What you did this past week, even what you're going to do today, leaving the parking lot or this week, not tipping the waiter, whatever it is that you're going to do, God's not going to be disappointed because he already knows everything about you and he loves you with an everlasting love. People begin to feel like they're less than when God says that they're more than. We need to understand what God says about us, not how we feel about ourselves. And listen, I know how important it is for you to have peace with yourself because nothing works in your life if you don't have peace with yourself. Because you can't get away from some, you can't give away something that you don't have. You can't give it away. So how can you love somebody else if you don't love yourself? So we become Christians, and with a, a right-hearted mindset and an attitude, we are told that we need to love people. We are told that we are need to forgive people. But if you don't love yourself, you won't love other people. If you haven't forgiven yourself. Let me pause just for a moment on that. There are some of you that you just need to forgive yourself about some things that have gone wrong, some things that you missed the mark on, some things that you blew it in. You need to forgive yourself, because if you can't forgive yourself you'll really struggle forgiving other people. We're told that we need to be merciful to people, but if we can't be merciful with ourselves, what, what, Richie, what does that look like? It means that no matter what you do, you wish that you'd done a little bit better. If we can't be merciful with ourselves, we won't be able to mer be merciful with other people. So we're, we're trying so hard to be loving, good, and kind, but often we fail because there's, not something, there's something that is not quite right in each one of us. 
We need to have a good relationship with us. You need to have a good relationship with you. See, and I I think a lot of people don't ever think about the relationship that they have with themselves, but you have a relationship with you. And today, just so you know, I'm not talking about schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder. That's a whole other teaching. But the Bible is a book of relationships. It's about your relationship with God. It's about your relationship with other people. And it's about your relationship with you. And I know that sometimes this is tough for us to grasp because we can understand it intellectually, what I'm saying. We can understand it in our mind. But if we don't ever take what we're hearing in our mind and start saying it over our lives, God, thank you that you love me. God, thank you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, thank you that I'm created in the image of God. Thank you, God, that I'm one of a kind. God, thank you that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. God, thank you that you love me with an everlasting love. If we don't let it get to our mouth, it'll never get into our heart. And we'll just have this head knowledge, but in our heart will still be disappointed in ourselves see when i first began telling people that man that god has a great plan for their life he has this amazing destiny on their life that that they are the right that you are the righteousness of god in christ jesus because of what christ has done a lot of times when i've been sharing that with people it's like those words hit a brick wall it hits a brick wall and, and bounces off because, you see, every time the Word of God is being spoken, there is life in the Word of God. No matter who is sharing the Word of God, when the Word of God is being shared, there is life. There is supernatural life in the Word of God. What we have to be prepared is in the soil of our heart. That's why the Word of God teaches us to guard our heart. That's why we've got to be careful what we're listening to. Listen, if you're spending more time by listening to the news and listening to all the negative things that are happening, watching sitcoms that are totally, con- totally contradict the word of God, your, your heart's going to get a little hard. You're not, you're not going to have your heart prepared. In, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, and he talks about how the, the sower went to scatter the seed of the word of God, and some fell on the path, and the devil comes and steals it. Some falls in the rocky soil, and then when the sun comes up, it it withers away. Some falls amongst the thorn and the the bushes, and and it chokes the word of God, keeping it from coming unfruitful. And finally, the the word of God gets into good soil that produces a a crop 30, 60, and 100 fold. And, And what it's helping you and I understand is that we are the guardians of our heart. You and I are the guardians of our heart. And when we allow the word of God to, to, we, to uh, we begin to deny the word of God. Or we've been taught against, again, that God's not loving and God's disappointed and God's mad. And we buy into that. Our heart becomes so hard that even though the word of God is coming and we're reading the fact that God loves you with an everlasting love, the devil comes and steals the word from you. Sometimes it falls amongst the rocky soil and we go, oh, Wow, I never realized that God loved me with an everlasting love. But then a problem happens in our life, and there's a persecution for the word, and we wither. We, we fall back and say, okay, God, I guess that really wasn't true. Sometimes the word gets into our heart, and it, and it falls amongst the thorns and the thistles of this life. And even though we're growing, and we're, or even though we're, we're living in the life that God has for us, it keeps it from being unfruitful. And we sit back and say, God, your word must not be true because it's not producing in me. Finally, it's that soil that we've been preparing our heart. We've been getting into the word of God, letting the word of God get into us. It's taking the plow to the fallow ground. It's ripping up rocks. It's ripping down weeds that are in our life. And suddenly our focus and our gaze is upon God and who we are in Christ Jesus. And suddenly the word of God is coming and it's producing in our lives 30, 60, and 100 fold. So we've got to guard our hearts. 
We've got to understand that God is a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of his children. Pastor Richie, you say that all the time, and yes, I'm going to say it till Jesus comes, until we all get into it and understand it and buy into the fact that God is an everlasting, loving God. So we've got to guard the soil of our heart. So today when, when I'm talking about us liking or even loving ourselves, going back to this word, there are some of you today, you've had so many people speak so many negative things over your life that you struggle with liking or loving yourself. That very thought seems foreign to us, and we've, it's because a lot of times, even as followers of Jesus Christ, we've had so much religion crammed into our brains, rules, regulations, what we've got to do, what, what we've got to do so God will do this, that we never understood it's about a relationship. We've had so much religion crammed into our ba- brains that it's hard for us to wrap our minds around loving ourselves. Listen, if the only thing that you notice in your life is your wrong behavior, you'll begin to get so beat down by life, you'll have incredibly poor self-image. You can tell someone that has poor self-image. They struggle with looking you in the eye. They struggle with having a conversation with you. They're fearful to let people into their lives. We need to recognize God has created you uniquely. You're awesome. You're amazing. We sometimes just need to find some freedom in our lives. We need to let some people into our lives to help us get out of some stuff that we've gotten high-centered on. So you'll have a hard time loving yourself, and it's hard for you to imagine that God, the creator of the universe, could love you. That's why I think this message this morning is so important, because every one of us get challenged almost daily with this message that God loves us. He loves us even in the midst of your failures and in the midst of your mistakes. You need to decide that you're going to love yourself this morning. Let me say that again. You need to decide that you're going to love yourself this morning. Now, just so you know, I'm not talking about, oh, Richie, none of this. Oh, Richie, Richie, Richie. All right? I'm not talking about that. You need to decide that you're going to love yourself this morning, that you're going to like yourself. You know what? There's one thing about myself that I have never liked, and it's the size of my legs. I got the big brown Miller legs. I hate the fact of how big my legs are. Can I tell you, my wife absolutely loves how big my legs are. You want to know something? I'm getting good with how big my legs are. You got you to gotta decide this morning that you're going to love yourself. Listen, if you make the choice long enough... Eventually, those wrong mindsets that are over you, they're going to be broken off of your life. They are. You, you, it's, it's not going to come overnight, most of the time, but you just choose. I love myself. God, thank you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. See, it's the reven, revelation of God's perfect love for you that empowers you to love you and empowers you to love others. Do you realize that God already knows, again, the things that you're going to do this week that are wrong, and yet he loves you with an everlasting love? I think that we can love ourselves. And even the things that your friends and neighbors, your family, your spouse, your kids did this week that was wrong, you can still love them with an everlasting love because you're filled with the everlasting love of God. Listen, there isn't anything in the Bible that teaches you and I to think bad about ourselves. There's not. It it does say do not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. So in other words, you don't think that you're just amazing at everything. You know, I mean, if you remember the, the early days of American Idol, especially when they had those people in there that singing that could not carry a tune in the bucket, somebody should have told them, you can't sing. 
you're probably going to be really good at this, but man, you can't sing. But man, they got on national TV in front of millions of people. and <laughs> So we're, we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. In fact, let me just give another plug for the growth track. It's one of the things that you're going to understand the way that you're wired. Do you realize that you have a personality type that's different than everyone else, but it's the way God designed and created you? Again, we're always trying to be like someone else, but God's created you unique. You have a spiritual gift in you. Some of you have multiple gifts in you. And God wants you to use those things so that you walk in fulfillment in your life. So again, we don't, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. We don't think that we're better than other people. Sometimes there are certain gifts that we think, oh, that's the gift. No, it's not. Your gift for you is the gift. But the Bible doesn't ever, anywhere, tell you not to like yourself or not to love yourself. It doesn't tell us that we should, should feel condemned or that we should feel shame. And people today are filled with all kinds of insecurities. In fact, our society is consumed with an epidemic of insecurity. We, we get to view so many people's lives that we want to be like that we're disappointed with us because we're not like them. Just so you know, when you're watching somebody on TV or you're watching somebody on a stage, that's not fully who they are. You might think that actor or that singer or that preacher is amazing, but in reality, they got junk going on in their lives just like the rest of us. So we got to recognize that there's this insecurity that the enemy's trying to bring into our life. And, and how people typically respond to insecurity is they try to start possessing all kinds of things. We, we think that who, he who dies with the most toys in life wins right? We, we do these things to try to feel good about ourselves. Listen, just so you know, you all know my take on this. I'm great with us having things. It's great for us to have things. We just have to make sure things don't have us. There's a, a line in a new Switchfoot song that says, um, there's a fire coming that we all go through. You possess your possessions or they possess you. If the house burns down tonight, I got everything I need with you by my side. And listen, this is, this is the revelation that we have to understand, is if everything that you had, material things in your life, was swept away, would you still believe in the goodness of God? I know that that's a process for us, because man, I've, I've lived in the, the fearful, anxious times of, man, something happens, God, what's going on? But listen, I've made a choice. I'm not going to let my possessions possess me. I'm going to possess the possessions that God brings into my life. But if God wants to take them out of my life because he knows what's best for me, take it out. Get it out. Get it out as fast as you possibly can because I want to be all that God has called me and designed me to be. We think if I can make enough money, I can feel good about myself. If I can have the right house or the right car, I'll feel good about myself. And it goes on and on. And we're so busy trying to impress other people that we don't rec recognize that we're trying to get validation from the social mirror. We're trying to get validation and believe in how good and amazing and awesome we are if other people think that. See, you need to have a healthy relationship with you. You need to be confident. Notice I didn't say you need to feel confident because feelings will come and go. Just so you know, my confidence about speaking gets challenged all the time, but I've made a choice. I'm going to be confident. Even when I butcher the king's English, even when I say things that I shouldn't say, even when I make comments that people tweet about because that's the funniest thing they've ever heard. Listen, I want you to know I'm going to choose to be confident because God's designed me and created me this way. You need to make up your mind that you're going to be confident because the enemy 
which again is not your spouse, it's the devil, he's constantly trying to jack with your confidence. Because if you're going to be a Christian, he wants you to either be beat up or beat down. He wants you to have a black eye or he wants to suppress you to make you think that you're nothing. He wants you to be sad, depressed, and discouraged and fearful. He wants you to lack confidence. Because if you don't have confidence, you won't walk in the destiny that God has for your life. Because the lack of confidence, will, you will keep disqualifying yourself to walk in all that God has for you. So I want to encourage this morning to love yourself. Some of you might need to get up tomorrow, and I know I was joking earlier, but you might need to go, oh, Richie, you're awesome. You might really need to do that for a while until you really love yourself. Have a good relationship with you. You need to start loving your life. See, you only get one pass through this life. There are no do-overs. And I've wasted too many years not being happy where I was. Even as a pastor, I thought I'd be happy when we got to this milestone. And we got to that milestone, and then it was, I want to be to the next milestone. Because I wanted to be somewhere else, and no matter what I had, I always thought I had to have something else or be somewhere else. See, it's important for you to have visions and dreams for your life. It is. It's important for you to recognize, man, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I, man, God, I love the way you designed and created me. God, I'm thankful. Lord, I, I thank you, God, that you put this purpose in my. You need to have and set goals for your life. I, I've set a goal at the beginning of this year to lose 15 pounds this year. I'm, it's August, and I'm only 25 pounds away from losing the 15 pounds that I have. So we, <laughs> we need something in our lives that we're reaching for. We weren't designed to be stagnant. We get no fun when we're stagnant because we weren't created and designed to sit around in atrophy. We need to be improving and trying to increase all the time. That's why we're, again, developing the base path or the, the growth track, sorry, growth track so that we can grow into all that God has for us. We need, to, we need to be improving and increasing. But listen, sometimes we get so focused on where we're going that we fail to enjoy where it is we are today. It's the old Mac Davis song. You gotta stop, smell the roses. You gotta count your many blessings every day. You're gonna find your way to heaven is a rough and rocky road. You gotta stop and smell the roses along the way. Right? you got to stop and smell the roses. Don't, don't, keep, quit saying, well, you know what, next year when things slow down. Sometimes you need to step back and, and ask yourself, man, am I enjoying what it is that I'm doing? See, I want to encourage you this morning just to decide, to make a decision that you're going to learn to love your life and you're going to learn to love yourself. And even though there are some things that you might want to change while you're waiting on God to change those things, just enjoy your life. And, and when you notice that you're not enjoying life, it's a sign of life, man, why am I so blah about life right now? You need to recognize that maybe you're not focused on the right things in your life. You need to make an attitude adjust, adjustment in our lives. Listen, you're in charge of your attitude, and your attitude determines your altitude. If you're constantly making adjustments in your attitude, and all of us can get a stinky attitude. I knew a guy once, he called his secretary into the office, and, and he said, do you smell that? She goes, no. He goes, no, seriously, do you smell that? She goes, no. He goes, it's your attitude, and it stinks, and I need you to change it. Now, by the way, I don't recommend that you do that, but it's a great illustration for this morning. Sometimes our attitude gets really stinky. We need to adjust our attitude. We need to live with the mind of the spirit, not the mind of the flesh. 
Do you realize as followers of Jesus Christ, we get to live our lives with the mind of the Holy Spirit, not with the eyes of the flesh. So much of peace or lack of peace is all about perspective. We need to start seeing things the way that God sees things. Listen, if you're seeing things with the mind of the flesh, you'll be be able to recognize the signs of life. Here's why. Because they're full of death and they're full of misery. But if you see things with the mind of the Spirit, there's life. There's optimism. There's hope. Here's how the Amplified Version says it in Romans 8. Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reasoning without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries that are rising from sin, both here and hereafter. In other words, it's, it's what's happening now and in the later life. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forevermore. That's why we can have peace in the midst of the storms. I'm not making that up. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're seeing with the mind of the Spirit, God, thank you that what I'm going through, I'm going through. I'm going to be stronger for this thing. So literally, I make a choice to be happy or unhappy by the way I decide to look at something. God created you with a proactive nature that you actually get to choose your response in any situation that you're in. It's not like the animal kingdom. The animal kingdom just responds by instinct. But you and I have a proactive nature in us that even when people are ugly to us, we can be nice and kind to them. You get to choose the way you look at some. And I can look at things that I don't have and be miserable, or I can look at things that I do have and be happy. I can look at what somebody else has and wish I had that and be miserable, or I can say, God, I thank you that you've got a plan for me. I may not be where they're at yet, but God, you've got a great plan for me. And I don't have to compare myself with anyone else. I'm just going to be happy where I am. I'm going to be happy where I'm planted. When you begin to feel yourself feeling a little bit sour about life, develop an attitude of gratitude and begin to thank God for what you have. Man, it happens all the time. There are problems always coming up into our lives. And the moment they happen, we can get sour. Thank God for what you have. Don't spend your time focusing on what you don't have. Focus on what you do. And thank God for what he's already given you. Here's what happens when you begin to be thankful. You develop a perspective like God has. You begin to understand that here's what the word of God says, that his promises for me is I'm more than a conqueror. By his stripes, I am healed. That the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. So God, my confidence is in you today. So thank you, Lord, that even though there may be some lack, there may be some lack of health in my life right now, there may be some issues going on. Thank you, Lord, that you're for me, that you love me with an everlasting love, that you have my best in mind. So get yourself planted and just get happy. Fall in love with yourself. I'm not talking about you loving yourself more than you love others. But again, you will not be able to love others if you're not able to love yourself. And just so you know today, I am not trying to make light of any challenges that any of you are going through today. You know what? It's why we need the body of Jesus Christ. It's why we need each other. Because we need each other to speak into one another's life, to encourage each other. I was on the phone this morning on my way here. And I was praying with a, a, a pastor, and, and he was just going, man, I just, it feels like I need to quit. I just don't know. Man, I began to speak words of life into his life. We need, we need to encourage one another. So I'm not making light of, of what it is that you're going through, but honestly, again, there's always going to be challenges in our life. And I want to tell you that God's plans for you are good to bring a future and a hope that whatever you're facing, it came to pass. Again, John 10.10, let me close with this. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
So cultivate hope in your life. John Maxwell says that if there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. Meaning if you believe that something can be better, you'll go to work today on making it better. So believe that God has a better tomorrow for you. Believe that God is going to love you with an everlasting love and walk you through everything that you're going through. Let me just get you to bow your heads and, and let me pray over you real quick. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.